Let us pray. Dear God, we are grateful for this day. We pray now, O God, in this moment that we make room for your Holy Spirit, that the words that go forth from my mouth, O God, may minister to minds, but not only minds, also to hearts. Open our, our hearts and our ears that we might hear your word afresh as you break open the bread of life. In the name of your Son, our dearest friend, we pray. And together we all said, Amen. This morning, I'd like to reflect briefly on the topic, our God, our shepherd. We have heard the reading in the Old Testament text from Ezekiel chapter 34. And I just want to call out a few of those verses as we enter into our exploration of our God, our shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel writes that the Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. God goes forward in speaking through Ezekiel saying, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make them lie down, says the Lord, and I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. And then he says to those on earth that I will also then set up a shepherd above them, my servant David, and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. In this text, the prophet Ezekiel brings a message of hope and comfort to a people who are in captivity, a people who are in a wilderness moment, a moment of despair and unfamiliarity, of pain, of loss and fear, a moment not unlike where we are today in experiencing the pandemic of COVID-19 and the impact of the systemic inequalities that disparately impact people because of their race, their ethnicity, their socioeconomic status, their gender, their location. Ezekiel in this text is prophesying to a people that are in exile. The Jewish people that he's speaking to have experienced much loss, pain, and death during their Babylonian captivity. Life as they had once known it has now been stripped away. Even their symbol for the presence of God, the great temple at Jerusalem was destroyed. They no longer had a temple in which to gather. They no longer had a homeland or a nation. In exile, all of their professionals, craftsmen, priests, and the wealthy were deported from their homeland and many lost mothers and fathers and wives and children, homes and personal treasures. The Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes that within a year's time, public life for the Jewish people had come to an end. Ancient Israel was the, at the end of privilege. It was the end of domination. It was the end of viable public institutions. It was the end of a sustaining social fabric. He writes that our mothers and fathers in faith had learned that even the life guaranteed by God is tenuous and can end. In exile, an attack 
on people, on their children, on the most vulnerable. I imagine they began to think and to wonder, where is the God that showed up to Moses in a burning bush? Where is the God that parted the Red Sea? Where is the God that led us with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Where is the God that rained down manna when we had no food? Or perhaps they spoke in the voice of the psalmist in Psalm 42 who who said, as the deer pants for the stream of water, so my soul pants for that God. While the people say all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. Ezekiel in this text came to offer comfort and hope to these people that had been scattered, living in uncertain times, in need of direction and guidance. So the good news that Ezekiel brings forth in these words is that he says to them, I know that you are in exile. I know that you are in need of direction and guidance. He realizes that these people are not only scattered, but they are there without a good shepherd. Further up in the chapter of Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel chastises those who were supposed to be the leaders, those in the church and in the public space and public square who were supposed to be leading them. But he realizes now that those shepherds, those leaders have not done their job. For those in exile are not only in unfamiliar territory, they are in the midst of a leadership crisis. Ever been there? In this text, Ezekiel chastises them and says that you shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves, but should not shepherds feed the sheep? We know that leadership is so crucial in the church and outside of the church, and it is in moments of great conflict and pandemic and exile, that the realization of leadership and its importance come furthermore in front of our faces. The need for leaders to rise up and and exact moral leadership, to bring forth leadership that as Dr. Robert Michael Franklin says in his book on moral leadership, that leadership should have integrity and courage and imagination. We need leaders to step up to be courageous leaders that transform people and organizations to change minds and hearts, enlarge vision and insight and understanding. We need daring leaders in this moment who will step out in faith and do as Dr. Martin Luther King says, that Faith is taking the first step even when you cannot see the whole staircase. Ultimately, the Jewish people in this moment of exile were in need of a leader that would guide and direct them in the midst of a storm, a a leader that would make them to lie down in green pastures and lead them beside still waters to refresh their souls, a leader that would lead them through the valley of the shadow of death. The great hope embedded in Ezekiel's message today is not just his speaking truth to power and calling the leaders of the day to account, but the hope lies in the fact that he points to the assurance 
that yes, I know you're in the midst of a leadership crisis, that those who were put in leadership have not done their job, but be assured that God will shepherd you. It's one thing to put our trust in a leader in government, to put our trust in a leader in the church, but it is something else to know that our God has not and will never leave us. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The, the Lord is the strength of our lives. Whom shall we be afraid of? The prophetic text from Ezekiel written thousands of years ago echoes through history to remind us today that Yes, God is Lord. Yes, Christ is King, but God is also our shepherd. That in the midst of the swirl and uncertainty, the nonstop video calls, the news cycles, the global pandemic, God is still here and God will shepherd us. This is good news. The many references to God as shepherd throughout the Old Testament in Genesis and in the Psalms and in Micah and in Zechariah speak to a God as a caring and tender shepherd who understands the vulnerabilities of the sheep and covers them and provides for him. It calls out the, the facets and the names of God, Jehovah Elohim, the one true God, the, the El Elyon, the God, the most high, Jehovah Jireh, the, the one who supplies, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is our banner, who goes before us into battle, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. This is a God who, yes, he sits high, but he also looks low. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a mother to the motherless. Ezekiel goes on to say that the Lord will give them a great leader and that shepherd in King David, the precursor to Jesus, our Lord, to protect them, to fight for them, to make sure they are cared for. This, this direction to David is powerful because David was a shepherd indeed. He shepherded the flock of his family. He cared for his sheep. He, with a stone and a slingshot, he kept them safe from the bears and the dangerous enemies that came after them. David, a great shepherd, was the apple of God's eye, not only because of his faithfulness, but because this great shepherd, this King David, also knew the importance of relying upon the shepherdness of God. David, this great king, submits himself to the greater king, the, the shepherd that we know as our God and our Lord. This David realizes that he has great power, but he has no power apart from the great shepherd. Our Lord, our sovereign, the one who sits high is also so mindful of us. He says in Psalm 8, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, O God, the moon and the stars, who are we that you would be so mindful of us? That's the heart of a shepherd. Ezekiel points us to the shepherdness of God, inspires hope by telling us of a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And then that word, that prophetic word of Ezekiel provides the historic backdrop for the wonderful gospel text where Matthew pins the parable of Jesus's sheep and goats. It's in that text that Ezekiel and Matthew tag team to let us know not only is God a great shepherd, but 
Oh, my Lord, God invites us to join him in his shepherdness. In this parable of the sheep and the goats, it says that you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You visited me while I was in prison. And they asked him, Lord, when did we do this? And the Lord said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you have also then done it unto me. I love the interplay and the connection between the Old Testament text today and the gospel text for together they point us to the shepherdness of God and then compel us to be agents of God's shepherdness. Ezekiel's text tells us of a God who gathers his scattered sheep. Matthew's text now calls us to serve and to worship by tending to the needs of these sheep. It's interesting when overwhelmingly bad things happen, we often ask, God, why would you allow this to happen? And I then wonder if God's response is with the question, why do you allow it to happen? We have a role to play in God's being the hands and feet, the ambassadors of God's being on earth. How does Jesus invite us through this parable in Matthew to be a shepherd for God's flock? He first tells us we are to be mindful of the needs of others. This is our act of love. This is our act of empathy at a time in our public life where there are many needs of others. When over 12 million Cases have been confirmed in the United States of COVID-19 and approximately 254,000 deaths and counting. Great need. In a time where there is so much political divisiveness and everyone's looking for a good leader, we are in need. Where people have to protest and demonstrate on the streets of the United States of America, the land of the free and the brave for basic human rights and dignity and to be acknowledged as having lives that matter, we are in need. Where homes are now offices and schools and hospitals, it amplifies the need for decent and affordable housing. In the U.S., where over 19 million people have to pay more than half their income for housing costs, where in the United States, where we have 5% of the world's population, but we house 25% of the world's prisoners, we are in need. We cannot afford to ignore the needs of others because we are all connected, whether we like it or not. As Dr. King says in his theory of interrelatedness, whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. We have to be mindful of the needs of others. But it goes a step further. Not only is Jesus telling us to be mindful in order to be a shepherd, we also must realize that this text is convicting because it convicts us to give and to serve. It is also convicting because it goes after our motives for doing so. If we're giving, if we're serving, are we doing it because we are acting out charity? If he says in the gospel of Matthew, when you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. If we think of our giving and serving as mere charity, we are then saying that to serve God, doing it unto him, 
is an act of charity. Is God a charity case? I think not. I actually think this call to give and to serve is not a call to mere charity, but it is a call to worship. When the disciples and Peter in particular asked God and God said, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, God, I love you. He said, well, then feed my sheep. The feeding of the sheep is an act of loving God. It is an act of worship. We are called to give and to serve, to participate in the shepherdness of God, not merely for the act of giving and serving, but that is our way of worship. It is our doing of the things that God has created us to do on earth, to lift God up through love, through worship, through giving, and through serving. And when we engage in that act of worship, when we join with God in the act of shepherding, we are able to participate with God in driving out darkness. When we participate with God, we drive out a darkness that Ezekiel alludes to when he says that the scattered have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. When we participate with God in the act of shepherding, we drive out the darkness. We lead with love. We lead with empathy. And in doing so, we prepare a way for the Lord in our communities, in our places of work, in our homes. During this pandemic, during these pandemics, when we do so, we shall then see the glory of the Lord revealed. For darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. So when we do so, we shine our light. Let your light shine today, brothers and sisters. Drive out the darkness before us. Embrace the shepherdness of God. And then engage with God and shepherding God's flock. Amen.